voice of the black and amber. Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Jadwick's Kilkenny and Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM for top class sport. Yes, Sunday the 14th of March 2021. You're listening to Community Radio Kilkenny City Sunday Evening Talk Sport. Nicky Brennan with you in the hot seat. Well, the headlines today. Expectations for returning to sport locally are no different, I'm afraid, than this time last week. But we did get a hint during the past week that a return to training by inter-county teams and a return to training also by underage club teams might possibly be on the cards for some time in April. That door remains dependent on COVID-19 cases reducing. Thankfully, you know that's today about 384 cases. Well, we can at least start hoping, can't we? The Six Nations returned this weekend with Ireland travelling to Murrayfield to take on the Scots this afternoon. Turned out to be a good day for the Irish with a merited 27-24 win with Captain Johnny Sexton getting a late penalty to give the Irish their second win in a row in the Six Nations. Now next up, the final game in the Six Nations on Saturday next against the old enemy England at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin. Yesterday England scored a late but somewhat controversial try to defeat France while Wales had their expected easy win over Italy in Rome. Now, incidentally, it was a great weekend for Kilkenny Rugby Club because their former player, Tim Corkery, he made his debut for Leinster against Zebra on Friday night. Well, I saw Desi Farrell quarter during the week as being in favour of scrapping the provincial football championships. Hardly a surprise given the ease at which Dublin are winning the Leinster senior football titles these days. Well, my first guest this evening, will I expect to have a view on those comments from the Dublin manager? Well, the world of sport lost two major icons of their respective sports this weekend. Marvin Hagler, known as Marvellous Mar- Marvelous Marvin, the undisputed middleweight champion from 1980-87, died on Saturday at 66, while Murray Walker, the legendary motor racing commentator with the distinctive voice, and who was quite uh, able to make a few foopas in his commentaries as well, he died yesterday at the age of 97. Now, Liam Kelly Rook will be with us after the first break with the weekend sports rounds up. We've already had two games today in the Premiership. Southampton won, Brighton and Hull Valbion 2, big win that for Brighton. Leicester routed the managerless uh, Sheffield United 5-0. Arsenal are currently playing Spurs at the Emirates Stadium, leading 2-1, about 75 minutes gone in that, and United are at home to West Ham tonight. Well, all the focus on Cheltenham this week with the best horses around battle for the big prizes. It'll surely be a bit bizarre there with no spectators present. Well, racing in Ireland today was Ineas and Limerick and will be joined later by Bear Scott for all the results. Well, in the first of our two soapbox slots this week, Barry Henriquez looks back on 1974, a year in which a Nicky R. Captain Kilkenny defeated Limerick 319 to 113 to win the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Final and also a year in which Kilkenny won nearly, I must add, and I'd know a bit about that, its first All-Ireland Under-21 Hurling Final, defeating Waterford 3-8 to 3-7 with a late scoring rally. And there was a lot more in that year as we will be remembered by Barry later. Well, in his slot this week, Liam Kelly O'Rourke wants to see more excitement brought into hurling. And he has a few suggestions. Well, my first guest coming up in a couple of moments is John Fogarty, GA correspondent with the Irish Examiner. Now, during the week, John posed the question, how can we tackle the GA's out-of-control social media abusers? We'll probe that question in a moment with John, and we'll also chat about other GA challenges at this time. Well, in 2019, the GA undertook a review of underage Gaelic games development, culminating in a comprehensive report on talent academy and player development. 
Michael Dempsey, well known to all of us here in Kilkenny, having been Bride Cody's right-hand man for 15 years, winning eight All-Ireland titles during that time. He played a prominent role as chairman of the committee, which compiled the report, and he will join me around 20 to 7 to discuss its recommendations. Don't forget our taxback.com text line is 086-353-7782, and we're also online at www.crkc.ie. <coughs> now it's my pleasure to welcome onto the programme John Fogarty, a man I meet regularly at games, obviously like myself, he's confined uh, to his home patch. And at John, it must be a frustrating time for you because you're obviously out a lot more than me. You're attending press conferences and briefings with players and now you have to do it all online. How are you coping? It's, it's fine, Nicky. It's, it's, it's difficult though. It's a first world problem, but, but it is difficult. There's no denying that. You know, a lot of this uh, profession is about meeting people. Yeah, you're working the phone, you're talking to people, but there's nothing like meeting somebody in person and having a conversation. Like uh, that's what the big, the big thing I'm looking forward to, Nicky, and I'm sure you are yourself, is that getting back to games and actually meeting people again. Um, I, I was speaking today with Brady during the weekend. He's still ringing the elderly uh, for a place when he's doing twelve months doing it now. Just you know, offering to talk about Gaelic games or whatever, just to try and curb the loneliness that is out there at the moment and the the, 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 the disillusionment that's out there. And uh, you know, it, it, it miss, you do miss people, Nicky. I'm not deny that. Uh, uh, there is cabin fever I think we're all experiencing it in some shape or form at the moment and um, with the bright evenings coming in John it probably even makes it more challenging doesn't it that's it Nicky. and what we're two weeks away aren't we from the clocks going forward as well and that really will uh, uh, you know April 5th this seems to be the golden date at the moment although I don't know if we can put too much faith in it at the moment but as you said at the outset of the programme it does look like uh, we're going to get a return to training in some shape or form um, Next month. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Look at it, it's a big, it's a big issue. Joe, back on to the matter which you raised in your uh, Irish Examiner column during the week. How uh, can we tackle Gia's out of control social media abusers? It's been there for quite a long time, but I suppose we've had a couple of prominent cases. The Pat Fitzgerald one, I suppose, but also from the world of racing, the Gordon uh, Elliott one as well. Uh, it, it it brings to mind that uh, you know that the social media thing is is it's 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 a dangerous tool for all the good it it can have. It is, Nicky. Like, it's made the world so much smaller, and I think we should be thankful for it in some ways um, that we've had it during this pandemic, but now you're seeing a lot of frustration. I, I fully believe that people are, are resorting to this now as some sort of um, escape valve, and I think they're, they're forgetting a lot of things. Uh, they're forgetting what they say, what they can say, and what they can't say, and some of the stuff that was written about Gordon Elliott, the uh, you know, John Horn mentioned the, uh, previously about the, the, the gang mentality that there is on social media at times, and there certainly was a gang mentality after Gordon Elliott. Um, there's no doubt about that. You mentioned Pat Fitzgerald as well. Obviously, that is the subject of um, a criminal case at the moment. Uh, we'll see what happens from Absolutely, there. Absolutely, that's a fair point. But, yeah. but, you know, it just like WhatsApp, Nicky, like from the time Tipperary came home from uh, that training camp this time last year, right through to the championship. I think every team was the subject of some scurrilous rumour or some un- unfounded um, remarks were, were held to account in the media. Um, unfortunately, the likes of uh, Twitter and Facebook aren't held to account in WhatsApp, well, obviously Facebook and WhatsApp. Um, and these things, they just fly. 
it's like it is like bushfire really and, and, and you and your, uh, the colleagues that we all know in the media who uh, have social media accounts themselves and who follow social media and uh, and, and make comments of that you're, you're quite uh, well known to people so you're not in there as anonymous people but but you guys and I understand this and there's rationale behind this follow the Twitter accounts of uh, all the main players in this day and age because you, you look at that as an opportunity maybe to pick up some information but I mean there are anonymous people out there make, saying making statements about players that are clearly untrue and, and are, they're scurrilous oh, there's no doubt about that and there's no they're, they're cowards in many ways that they can't put the names to these things you know they they believe that they have the, the opportunity to do, to do this with anonymity which really has to be tackled in some shape or form you know there has been talks about digital ID being necessary to actually have an account with Twitter and, and Facebook but the horse is bolted really now Nicky yeah, I suppose the one thing is, uh, and I had a lady, I do a, an evening program here occasionally when I help out the uh, current affairs team, and I had a lady on recently and her daughter was Coco and the law became Coco's law. I interviewed that lady just before President Higgins signed the law into uh, into action. And uh, now with Coco's law there, at least people have to be a little bit more, they have to be far more vigilant about what they're saying about people because there's a law there that can bring them to book. That's it, Nicky, and, uh, and the GA, in fairness to them, have had a social media policy for its members for uh, for quite some time now, and it's been updated uh, over the years. And it, that, that's all really they can do, apart from, uh, like, obviously there was an issue w- with um, a former Wexford player there a few years ago that had to make an apology to a referee after he said something. Um, but we haven't heard too many cases about that since. Um, it's difficult for the GA in that regard, um, you know they can't be policing everything that every member is going to say, but at the same time, I I I really do believe it should be the the, the big tech companies that should be looking after these things. Now they can't do the punches pilots and just wash their hands of it. Yeah, no question about that, John. We're bang is still in the middle of COVID. We talked about that just at the start of our chat. The whole impact on the GAA and uh, what's going to happen in the it, the earliest we can probably see some action at this stage is probably the month of May, given that it's been said that the intercounty scene needs a month to prepare. So if we're getting action in May does that look like a kind of a condensed league leading into the inter-county championship before the clubs have the latter part of the year that's it Nicky I, I think uh, we reported on it prior to the extension of um, of the lockdown for GA specifically that the, the, the hurling leagues would be reduced they, they would be based on geography or proximity whatever you may call it Kilkenny would probably go into a group with Waterford or Wexford from Division 1 and you probably could be guaranteed just two or three games that's really the way they were looking at it I think you know John Horn before he stepped down was saying that if they get back in May it was still their intention to go county first and and and, and club thereafter with a league but um Really now, I think people are looking for some sort of certainty. Well, certainty is the, it really is the elusive thing at the moment, but they do want some sort of an idea how to frame um, their preparations for the championships. It does look like it's going to be a truncated league, maybe done, Nicky, in the space of four weeks, maybe five or at a stretch. Yeah, and probably, it, and it looks like a championship, uh, something like last year as well, John, it's unlikely to see spectators there. I know they're talking about the uh, the World uh, Stoker Championships, and I know they're talking about the FA Cup final testing sports testing supporters in the UK yeah. but realistically we're clearly some time behind the UK with everything going on or a, or a vaccine rollout is slower so getting spectators into games in the country in the first half of the year seems highly unlikely 
It is, it is, and, and I think Tom Ryan said something to that effect when he was launching his his um, annual report there recently. He said you could you could see numbers at an all Ireland at the all Ireland finals this year, but they wouldn't be you know huge at all. It be could be even hundreds. And can you imagine the ticker rush for something like that, Nicky? Yeah, but I mean, clearly it is going to. We at the recent congress, which uh, you obviously were on the online version, the same as myself. I mean, we we knew in advance from Jeremy Ryan, the state of the finances, they made horrendous reading and uh, uh, it doesn't look like this year is going to be much better and uh, as of now there's no commitment from government to fund uh, for a championship which I expect something will come forward alright but one way or the other it is going to be another bleak year for GA finances. Yes Mickey, there has to be a subvention, I know you've spoken about this before, there has to be a subvention as far as I'm concerned the government got more than bang for their book with the 15 million that they gave for the championships last year, they gave so, so much solace and so much hope to a lot of people during those dark months and now you know I think the GA it would be a good investment for them again to give this sort of money um, to, to, to it it is a little bit surprising that the GA although they have their credit lines haven't exercised them as yet I think they're just waiting to hear what, 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 what the government have to say but the government have said that there is money there it's just a case of how much they're going to get. Yeah, look at it. The J will come out of this okay. It'll just take a couple of years. But clearly the impact, the impact that is going to have, for example, on capital projects, and we know there's large ones potentially in, well, not potentially happening in Belfast are supposed to happen. Louth, Meath, Kildare, Waterford, there just to come a few to spring to mind. I mean, the ability of the association to support those in the next couple of years is going to be lim- very limited. Yes, and it was very interesting what the Loud Chairman and uh, Independent TD Peter Fitzpatrick said yeah, yeah. during the week that they were high on the, the priority list. Um, that remains to be seen now because capital projects, as you said, have been suspended and, you know, Porky Creve is still being paid for. Uh, there's a write off every year there from, from uh, GA uh, towards that. Um, so there's going to be, there is going to be concerns like all these projects, all of them look like decent, uh, worthwhile ones but you know when there's no money there available or certainly no revenue being generated then you know they have to be paused and probably paused indefinitely now in the I read in the uh, Irish Examiner uh, last week or this last Saturday, last Saturday week actually from your colleague Owen Cormick and reporting on a, a Cork County board meeting and this is something I see raised in Offaly as well where the DG has said that uh, there'll be some changes to the player injury scheme this year because of uh, lack of funds so uh, players wages will not be covered that is a f- that is a very tough blow for clubs and players involved in clubs and uh, it could actually stop players playing at all particularly if they're self-employed Absolutely Nicky and, and, and you know a lot of people who either are on the PUP or have had the wage subsidy scheme they're realising now that they're going to be paying taxes on that and that is a, a big concern for them too and now on top of this if they should they get injured um, it, is, it is a worry now Jeremy Ryan uh, as far as I know has said that this it will return at some stage, but for the time being, it, 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 it's not. And it, it is concerned when you don't have that safety net under you, and, and you're going out to play something that you love, obviously, and you have a passion for it. But um, it, you know, to what extent is your passion when uh, you know your livelihood is at risk? And it's a huge concern, Nicky. But again, these are the realities that the GA is having to face. 
um, because of the, the financial, uh, the stricken financial situation within it now. Yeah, but surely the, the, the jail, from a Croke Park point of view especially, they need to be sourcing a company that can at least offer uh, a, 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 some sort of a scheme to an individual player. The player pays the fee, all right, but they surely they need to get out there and do that because it just would be so risky players going out to play without at least having some benefit, some injury benefit in the event of uh, of, of a bad injury. And every year we, we see the data coming from the injuries every year. Every year you have plethora of players getting cruciate injuries, and that's uh, you won't be able to work with that for a period. Exactly, yeah, and we, we only hear about the the, the inter county players. Well, obviously you would be you'd have your ear to the ground in terms of the club scene in Kilkenny and whatnot. You know, it's those players that you'd be really concerned about because you would imagine a county level lads would be looked after in some shape or form. You know, that's obviously true. There is the GPA have their own uh, hardship fund and, uh, and there's things like that. At club level, there's no hardship fund. No, and I, I think clubs especially are going to feel the pinch because a lot of their fundraising activities have dried up and, uh, and things like that. So it's going to be a tough time for clubs uh, in, in, in the next year or two. I, I can see real, real challenges for clubs here. That's it, Nicky, and I, I'm a piece. I, I just. Uh, I just did it, uh, finished it off this morning, and it's, it's for the paper later in the week uh, regarding club lottos and the prominence of them over the last while, particularly uh, 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 on, online. Um, I think people have realised that that is the future, you know, with pubs being closed and outlets like that. Uh, you know you can't fill the envelope it's not you know well that's very true well I have to declare obviously a vested interest when it comes to that particular technology so uh, yes I can say that the company that I'm involved in the, the club lotto online has blown out of all proportion because the day of collecting lotto by hand is gone before we, uh, we let you go John I mentioned at the outset a comment by Desi Farrell about scrapping the provincial football championships um, is that I mean we're hearing that a lot but I'm st- I am really struggling to see a proper debate developing about if you get rid of the provincial championships how is the GA going to be ministered uh, regionally why, why are we slow about getting that debate going because I think the two are in tandem that's it Nicky um, speaking to the new Quran, uh, Larry McCarthy there recently he, he made that very point that you, you spoke about there that we might be you know there might be uh, an amendment to the provincial championships uh, in, in the sense of provincial conferences if we get four conferences uh, for a county uh, uh, provincial conferences in, in the senior football championship but there will always have to be provincial councils because they, these are the people who are on the, the ground they know exactly how their their counties work um, they need you know everything can't be central there has to be Absolutely. some sort there has to be some sort of local government so to speak on this and I don't see the provincial councils going away anytime soon provincial championships that's another matter altogether I think yeah, well, I'd wish the debate would, would carry on. John, look, I appreciate you taking time. John Fogarty can be read every almost every day in the Irish Examiner. I don't know if he gets it. He gets uh, Saturday and maybe he gets Sunday off, all right. But uh, he has a column coming out, as he said there, on the whole issue of uh, funding for clubs and clubs fundraising, a big, t- a relevant topic at the moment. Irish Examiner gives you great coverage of GA. So, John, thank you for joining us this evening. And hopefully we'll get to meet up at a match in the not-too-distant future, John, and uh, we'll try and get back to a, a new type of normal, maybe. Amen to that. Okay, thanks, John. Okay, that was John Fogarty from the Irish Examiner joining me this evening. Uh, We'll take a break and we'll be back uh, with... uh, Liam Kelly Rook will be here with results of the weekend. The Voice of the Black and Amber. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Jadwick's Kilkenny and Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM for Top Class Sport. Yes, you're very welcome back to Talk Sport. Now we're with Liam Kelly Rook who has the weekend's results. 
Yeah, Eden Nicky will start with the Six Nations where there was just one game today and a mighty win for the Irish. They beat Scotland 27-24 to set up a, a classic game with England in Dublin next weekend and a crucial win for Andy Farrell's side. Meanwhile, cross-channel in the Premier League, the full-time whistle has just gone at the Emirates Stadium where Arsenal have beaten Spurs by two goals to one. The Gunners were forced to withstand some late Spurs pressure, but they held out for the win. The goals coming from Eric Lamella, he gave Spurs the lead after 33 minutes. The goals from the youngster Martin Odegaard and an Andre Lacazette penalty gave Arsenal the three points. Earlier on today, Brighton beat Southampton at St Mary's by two goals to one. Lewis Dunk and Trossard on target for the Seagulls. While in the evening's late game, we have Manchester United and West Ham at 7.15. And it was also a disastrous afternoon for Sheffield United at the King Power Stadium. They were hit for five, including an Ianacho hat-trick, as Leicester City won that game by five goals to nil. And finally, looking at the golf this weekend, it's the Players' Championship. And, uh, uh, of course, Rory McIlroy having a disaster, as we've documented uh, very often over the course of the weekend on our sports programming. Well, at the moment, Lee Westwood is top of the leaderboard on 13 under par. He's been there for quite a while now at this stage over the weekend. He's two shots clear of Bryson DeChambeau, who's on 11 under. And if you're following Shane Lowry, he's tied for 15th on 7 under par. Good man, Liam. Thanks for that. We'll talk Thank to you, you next Sunday. Take care. That was our Liam Kelly O'Rourke. And this is Barry Henriques on his soapbox this week, reminiscing about 1974. Smarting from the Royal Ireland demise against Limerick in 1973 it was glory, glory, hallelujah for a phantasmagorical year for Kenny Hurling all the way in a glorious 1974. In the Peter Hulhan GA yearbook, he was agog about the amount of success enjoyed by all elements of the GA menu from hurling at all levels, even to the community games competition won by the combined schools of CBS and St. John's representing Kilkenny City, to Camogie, handball, and there was even a mention of the poor relative football. In his foreword, Dr. Peter Birch, strange as it may seem, practically administered plenary indulgences to anyone in the county who donned the black and amber for the cause. He practically implored the Almighty's benevolence and influence to replicate the achievements of 74 in the upcoming 1975 campaigns. As the man says, with God on your side, who can bait you? I jest, of course, but who is to say that the canonical nudge didn't have some influence during the subsequent 12 months? First big story was the brilliant first-time win of the Camogie girls against all the odds when they tumbled Cork after a replay. The win was all the more credible when one considers that the Kilkenny team was picked from the resources of three clubs within the county, while Cork had over 36 Camogie clubs in their county. Names like Trees O'Neill and Liz Nari, Anne Carroll, Bridie Martin, Helene O'Neill, Mary Fennelly, Ursula Grace, Mary Conway became household names inside and outside the county, and a very young pair of juveniles called Angela and Anne were there too. And what diamonds they became. One of the rare blips in an otherwise exceptional year was the unconsidered downfall of defeat of a John Marnell-led unbeatable minor team with six players from the previous winning team coming a cropper against a more than average Cork outfit. The Fenians from Johnstown made it three in a row with not ten to not six win over Bennis Bridge. It was six to two at the break fortified by the power and abilities of the likes of P.J. Ryan and Nicky Orr, Pat Henderson, Pat Delaney and Billy Fitzpatrick, the Johnstown lads made life exceptionally difficult for the Bridge, who were a pay shadow of their former greatness. 
A combination team of Kilmacow and Mooncoin took care of a fancied Muckalee in the county senior football final on a score of not 7 to not 2. Muckalee had put pay to the rail yard in their semi final. Some notables on the winning team were Dick McNamara. Muckalee were well populated by numerous members of Morrissey Clan, Mordens, by the score, plenty of Mars. Hoolan said it was a poor match, but it didn't stop the St. Kieran's lads following the celebrations. Ned Quinn was in goal on that team, incidentally. The editor himself adorned the pages with a most imposing and praiseworthy profile of the great Anne Carroll, full back on that All-Ireland winning Camogie team. Did you know that she was born in England, but returned with her father, her father Billy, to Ballantagher, the outside Callan, initially played with Tipperary, winning provincial medals with them before transferring her allegiances to Kilkenny. Certainly one of the legends of the game. International Player of the Month Awards, sponsored by the Family Building Society, Pat Henderson, Helene O'Neill and Carolyn Olskian brought added luster to brand Kilkenny. The under-21 hurlers won the first title for the county after a tremendous campaign. In one of the best under-21 finals, Kilkenny got up on the line to win by a second-last puck of the game from a man of the match, Billy Fitzpatrick, against a very, very fine Waterford outfit. The Kilkenny lads were back five points with as many minutes remaining. But a Ger Woodcock goal and points by Bobby Sweeney, Ger Fenley and Billy Fitz sorted it all out. One could make a case for a game lost by one and one by the other. That didn't matter to Kilkenny. From that historic win came future stars like Tom McCormack, Ger Henderson, Brian Cody, Kevin Fennelly, Ger Fennelly, Nicky Brennan, we mentioned him again, and Billy Fitzpatrick. Some returned from an investment. Mr. Handball, Tommy O'Brien, God rest him, eulogised about the success of the handballers. In all, there were 11 All-Ireland champions from under 12 years crowned. He eulogised about youngsters like Billy Burke, Eugene Downey, Eddie Mahan, Joe Burke, Mark Cantwell and more. He didn't forget the diamonds in the handball crown like Willie Pratt and Paddy Riley and Ollie Harold either. The famous scribe Moon Darig reminisced. He spoke of a Leinster championship being postponed from 1901 to 1902 when Kilkenny beat Dublin by 212 to 2-7 at the Terranure Sarsfields ground at the Green Lanes then one of the leading GA venues in the metropolis. Because of a dispute between the owners of Butterley's Field, does anybody know what Butterley's Field was? It's now Croke Park for your information, and the GA, that venue was not available. Bet you didn't know that Croke Park was known as Butterley's Field. I've written that in twice, in case you forgot, and I'm addressing that to you, Ucheron. Further on in that Leinster saga, Kilkenny played Wexford in the semi-final in Butterley's Field on Jones's Road. With Wexford leading 4-8 to 0-6, the game was abandoned as it got so dark that neither players, nor the referee, nor the spectators could see the ball. And so it trundled on through splits and objections and postponements and squabbles and walk-offs. In the four championship games Kilkenny had to play to bring home the McCarthy Cup in 74, Kilkenny scored 15 goals and 78 points and conceded 860. Eddie Kerr got 535. Why wouldn't he? Pat Delaney got 5-3. Kieran Purcell got 2-9. Chunky got 10 points. Brennan got 1-9. Pat Henderson got 3. Cummins got 2. And our colleague, 
Dare I mention him? Got a point. I wonder, do you remember, Nicky? I'm sure you do. Raymond Fritz threw out the unanswerable question as to who was the best team of the century at the time. Posing the question to Ace Tipperary forward of the late 40s and early 60s, Jimmy Kennedy said, the Kilkenny 67 team was the best one for me. It denied John Doyle a ninth medal in 1967, and for the first time in an All-Ireland final, in my memory, the Northsiders combined natural hurling ability with craft and skill with an ability to more than match the Tipperary lads. Big statement. Fatalities were rare in the GA Games since its inception. Kilkenny had one such unfortunate fatality. Mick Nugent, a native of Ballycave, Kilmanagh, never recovered from a blow to the temple while playing with the Dixborough team against Leash in a challenge match in Port Leash. He died that night in Port Leash County Hospital. He was a sub on the Kilkenny team that beat Cork in the 1913 All-Ireland Final, winning a three-in-a-row final. Mick resumed playing after the blow, though, but he collapsed later in the borough dressing room. In 1895, for your information, Cork beat Kilkenny 6-8 to a goal in the final in Dublin. Communication at the time was less than non-existent. Rural Kilkenny knew not of the result nor the scoreline. Jim Quigley from Liss in Tullerone sent his son Jack to Mick Coogan for news of the match. Mick had played on that Kilkenny team. Mick said to Jack, go home, sonny me by, and tell your father that Cork bet us by 6-8 to 1 goal. But I scored the goal. The only Kilkenny born men who won National League football medals were Jackie and Dennis Hughes, who won them with the New York team when New York defeated Cavan in the 1950 final. They were born in Mooning Robe. Kilkenny grabbed seven All-Stars in 1974, and quite sure you couldn't all name them, but just in case you have a touch of the forget-me's, here they are. Noel Skane and Fenlark and Pat Henderson, Junkie O'Brien, Mick Crotty, Eddie Kerr and Kieran Purcell. What a legendary list that is. At local level, the Shamrocks hadn't arrived quite yet, but they won the Intermediate Championship, beating Greg Namana 3-9 to Sussex. Whisper it, they were on their way. Why shin eh corda gaelica, big may rash the coon of day, good thee shin slon, agus the nairi and bore live galer. Well, Mahan Farbani, Barry, Queenie, Queenie Ucht, Untakashin and Shin Barry. Well, Talim Kelly Rorkanish, Agusir and Downak Shot Tashe, Kint, Fi Bugan these more splador, a hort, Kun Imaniakta. This week's edition is somewhat more of a plea or a moan, if you like, rather than an actual piece. And with the recent GA Congress meeting, cynical fouling and sin bins are now the order of things. Well, will it work? That's for people who are more qualified than me to decide. But I want to see measures introduced that excite hurling supporters more, rather than just simple rule changes to rule out cynical play. For one, and this has been mentioned before, two points for a sideline I think is a worthy route to take. The vast amount of wonderful sidelines cuts we've seen in recent years is worthy of reward and may encourage those who see themselves not to have as much talent as other hurlers to have a pop. My other suggestion is a 30 to 45 metre rule. Well, what is that, you may ask? Well, in my thinking, the Liam Kelly O'Rourke world, if you like, when a player is in a certain position from the goal, i.e. 30 to 40 metres, the player must have a shot on the goal. And this perhaps may bring back more goalmouth action, which has been lacking in recent years. You only have to look at Limerick, for example. And finally, and this is something I'd love to see, it's senior citizens hurling. Former stars, and maybe those that are not so gifted, 
getting their hurling swagger back on. Personal circumstances aside, I believe a large cohort would support this initiative. Now, certain alterations may have to be made, such as pitch size and length of time of games, but I believe post-COVID-19, we should be getting the stars of the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, and even the, let's say, less well-known names out on the hurling field and get them hurling again. We have minor championships. Why not have a senior citizens championship my 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 a senior citizens championship wait till that young man is a senior citizen himself and he'll see this, the silliness of that suggestion imagine Barry Henriquez lining out at corner forward on the team this time how would you go there Bar? ok Bear Scott would you be up to playing corner forward in the senior citizens team <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'd chance it, I, don't I, think, don't, I don't think the doctor would let me. <laughs> I think you're right. Bear, we were in uh, Limerick and Nace today and you have the winners. And by the way, first of all, Anne Malone wants to know, how did that lucky 15 go yesterday? Well, Anne, we had a great day yesterday because we had no... We had none. We spent the, the half hour talking about Cheltenham next week and we didn't have a lucky 15. All right, well, next week then. All right, Nace and Limerick, Bear. Anyway, the, the start of the Nace was one thirty, and the winner there was number four, Jungle Junction. 64 favourite, 2 o'clock went to number 1, conflated the 9 to 4 on favourite. The 230, this was won by number 7, 4 Mar, 17 to 2. 305, uh, number 6 on Eagle's Wings, 11 to 2. 335, number 3, Jackson's Gold, 11 to 1. The 405 was won by number 1, Valley William Pye, 33 to 1. 440 went to number two, Jungle Rattler at 20 to 1. The 515 there was won by number seven, Shule Valentine at 11 to 2. In Limerick, where they started at 145, the first place was won by number four, Behind the Wall, 50 to 1. The 215 won by number two, Darren Soap, 13 to 2. 245, number one, Scarlet and Dove, 11 to 8 on favour. The 320, number six, Glorious Galway. 5 to 1, 350, number 3, Mercury Lane. Uh, this was 7 to 4 on favour. The 425, number 3, Sean Goel, 4 to 1 favour. And finally, the 5 o'clock went to number 4, Flame Bear, the 6 to 5 favour. Thank you very much, Bear, for that. Nice take care, take Bear. Care. Okay, that's Bear Scott. We'll take a break. We'll be back with Michael Dempsey. The Voice of the Black and Amber, Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Chadwick's Kilkenny and Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM for Top Class Sport. Yes, you're very welcome back to the programme. It's uh, about uh, 1843 here now. So, uh, this last section of the programme, well, in 2019, the J undertook a review of underage Gaelic games development culminating in a comprehensive report on Talent Academy and player development. Michael Dempsey, well known to all of us here in Kilkenny, having been Brian Cody's right-hand man for 15 years. We won eight All-Ireland titles during that time. He played a prominent role as chairman of the committee and I'm delighted to welcome Michael to the programme this evening. Michael, how are you doing? Uh, Nicky, uh, thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm good, Nicky. Uh, I'm good. Happy to be on your show. Delighted. Michael, well, before we talk about Talent Academy reports, I want to, I did say it here on the programme recently, but to extend to you and all the family on congratulations on with them winning the uh, Gradamon Uchtaran Award for the Dempsey family from St. Joseph's in Leash. Uh, a, lovely pro, a lovely photograph, and I suppose it shows what you're one of, so many families in the GA that have made a great contribution, but it was wonderful to get that award, and maybe even more so in the challenging times we have. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot, Nicky. Obviously, it was a, 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 a great honour to receive it, but 
I suppose we were slightly embarrassed as a family or maybe a little bit humble because we're very much aware that uh, we're just the very same as so many people all over the country uh, who volunteer and give us their time to the association. So to be picked out was great, but uh, we're just very conscious that we did accept it on behalf of all of the people who volunteer and make the association uh, the, the great, the great um, association it is. Well, look, and I know you for a long time, and I know the Dempsey family, and I know the the humble people that you are. But so it was, it was very well deserved. Michael, getting on to uh, to this report, and obviously I, I would know a bit about the report, but obviously from the chat this evening, it's for you to kind of inform the listeners. Uh, give us some backgrounds to the reasons behind why it was necessary to conduct a review of the whole GA pathway at intercounty level, thirteenth to twenty, and the, the relationship with clubs, schools, and third level institutions. What drove the whole um, uh, initiative in the first place? Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose, Mickey. I, I got a call one uh, evening out of the out of blue from uh, Uchtaran, uh John Horden in two thousand and eighteen, uh, and he had he asked me to chair uh, the committee as as you've explained. He he had concerns which was coming from grassroots uh, level in terms of how our academy squads were, our development squads were conducted in terms of maybe players being put on a pedestal, maybe players uh, when they didn't make uh, inter-county teams uh, dropping out of sport and there was a lot of concerns around scheduling of uh, fixtures in the area as well so, so that was kind of the initial uh, concern from the Uchtaran which was coming from the grassroots uh, so I happened to be uh, very honoured to take part in that committee and, and surprised, but we had a really good committee representative uh, of the four provinces, Harlan and and football. But when we sat down to look at to review the talent academy space, um, we discovered we couldn't look at it in isolation because it's the very same players who play club and who play schools. So we ended up uh, reviewing uh, all of the player pathway within the GAA and. Uh, I suppose uh, initially we thought we could maybe just have four provincial meetings and get some feedback from people but we felt if a report was going to be meaningful that we would need to visit uh, every county in Ireland which was a huge undertaking Uh, we felt that was important in terms of giving uh, influence to a report but also giving everybody at grassroots level uh, an input uh, and tell us about their contacts co- contacts because uh, the context in every county is is completely different and tell us some of the typical stories that you would have heard about the preparation of academies and maybe divorcing what's happening in academies from the, the club which and we should say really at this stage that the club is at the core of the report's recommendations we'll come more to that in a moment mm. what were people saying out there Michael because you, you, you have some stories that um, did not make pleasant reading to be honest about it but they were the reality on the ground yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I suppose maybe Nikki, just to take it back a little uh, step, uh, but we went to every county, the people whom we met, and it was the first time in every county uh, that it actually happened. Is we met academy squad coaches, club coaches, uh, parents of the players who were involved, the players themselves, school teachers, county board officials, uh, and full-time staff. So it was the first time in most counties. Uh, that all of those people were in the one uh, room together. Uh, and, and what we found out is that uh, the GA operates in silos. 
uh, that clubs were doing their own thing, schools were doing their own thing, and academy squads with no coherency or joined up thinking in terms of games programs. So the biggest issue we would have found everywhere was uh, around the area area of scheduling uh, competitions. So players were being pulled and dragged, having to make decisions, and a lot of our young players also play other sports, but having to make decisions about who they would go to on a particular night. So there's a huge overlap. Nobody talking to each other in terms of, of the fixtures uh, programme. One chap uh, in one county uh, who was playing with six different teams, he was a dual player, uh, stood up at a meeting in front of adults and said, uh, my coach only values me when I play for his team. So what we found is that in terms of player welfare, the scheduling uh, of our games, is that coaches were not talking to each other and were not placing the player at the, at, at the centre of, of their preparations. The, the other thing we would have found, Nicky, uh, which was more worrying, was that adult regimes in terms of sports science, in terms of preparation of players, uh, was happening across the academy squads. So the players were, young players were being treated as adults and huge demands were being placed, uh, were being placed under time in terms of strength and conditioning, uh, in terms of the, of the gear they were, they were getting. So they were being treated like inter-county teams, which is not what the academy squads were actually set up to do, which was to develop players, uh, provide love of their club. They were basically developing them for their clubs, uh, but giving them uh, extra coaching if they were good enough to go on and become inter-county players. So there was huge concerns from everybody in terms of how our young players were being treated. And of course, schools play a very important part in player development also, and that has to align within, within this whole new strategy. Yeah, obviously, kind uh, we would have met the uh, we would have met the post primary uh, bodies, uh, the teachers, uh, and teachers would have been present at our meetings. So uh, there was a huge overlap in terms of fixtures. So that when kids were going back to school, they were still uh, finishing club competitions, uh, but they were be- they were now being asked to do extra training for schools and the schools matches. Uh, coming up. So there was a huge need uh, to sort out the fixtures mess that was actually taking place, notwithstanding the great work that our teachers are actually doing all over the country in terms of providing coaching for, for, for our players. Now, the whole coach education model is also under review. I mean, there's been, in fairness to the GA over many years, has put a huge effort into its development framework. But the, the whole new development framework now around uh, foundation, talent and elite, it sets out much more clearly what each particular segment is going to get in terms of its education and the tutoring of young players by, uh, by well, well-drilled tutors. Yeah, yeah. I suppose what's happened, uh, what actually happened, Nicky, is that uh, we took on board, we interviewed over 1,000 people, gathered over 7,000 pieces of information. So arising out of that, we had key uh, recommendations and uh, what, what the issues uh, were. So what we did is we looked at international best practice. We came up with uh, a player pathway which is based on foundation, uh, based on talent and based on the elite end, end of our game. 
But what we've decided to do based on the feedback we got from all over the country is that people wanted the club. There was a fear in the GA uh, that we were moving too far uh, in the area of elite and professionalisation of our sport and losing our culture. So there was a huge demand from people uh, to place our club at the centre uh, at the centre of the player pathway. One of the more exciting things that's happened since is that people wanted a player pathway uh, which would allow for giving our coaches uh, better support so they, w- they would know what support to give, given the right support at the right uh, time uh, in terms of the player pathway and in, ter- and in terms of the player's uh, journey. But one of the more exciting things that has actually happened, which took place last year, is that this pathway is now, uh, we've had collaboration with the LGFA and with Camogie, so that this uh, pathway caters for the GA family, and it's not before its time uh, that that has actually uh, happened. But to bring the pathway to life, as you rightly point out, uh, coach education through the development of coach, a well-trained coach development workforce uh, who will get out to support our clubs because at the end of the day, education is vital to bring on this pathway uh, to life. And Michael, key to all of this is that each county must ensure there's a proper games programme at each level in the underage process because I think your uh, your experience would also have shown that in many counties the level of games young lads and young girls perhaps are getting is is woefully inadequate in a lot of cases. Yeah, I, I, I suppose, Mickey, when, uh, when you hear people's concerns, it's generally uh, speaking around maybe players getting pulled and dragged and, and getting too many matches. But that probably only happens for our best players. What we found out all over the country is uh, was the concern that our players are not getting a regular games programme. They might get one or two matches early in the year. There could be a break for several months and then they might get a few more matches. But essentially, players cannot develop unless, they're being, unless they are being challenged through our games and are being provided with uh, a regular games programme. At the end of the day, we have to look at why do young people actually play our sports? Uh, obviously, they want to be with their friends, uh, they want enjoyment, but what every boy and girl looks forward to uh, and what they want on a regular basis is to want a regular scheduling of matches. Uh, so the coaching might take place for one or two weeks, you get a match, and that's repeated for eight or nine months uh, of, of the year. So that's crucially important uh, to develop our young players, and even for parents. Uh, parents want to know, would like to have a calendar of events so they can plan their lives. We live in a different society now with huge demands on people's times. So bringing some order to our fixtures and giving young players regular games uh, is vital going forward. And Michael, can you see the recommendations in this report? Is that going to be kind of taken on board? You, you're, you're obviously a, a person, a senior person in the whole sports uh, science sports section in Carlo IT, but even in other third-level colleges, is, is the thinking within this report, is that going to be taken on now in terms of the tutoring of our future, uh, our future people who will come through uh, the, the whole sports uh, course area? 
yeah, I, I, I do, Nick. Yes, I suppose the other uh, thing I omitted to say is that we, uh, when we, um, a lot of reports have taken place, as you know from sure, your experience of being the president. So there have been a, a huge amount of reports in the GA, but most of them have uh, gathered dust uh, on the shelf. But, but what's different about this report is we got huge support from uh, John Horne, who was president at the time. We got huge support from other committees in Crow Park. Uh, we got huge support, I have to say, and we very much appreciated Nikki from the likes of yourself, uh, who has huge uh, e- e- experience. So all of the recommendations in our report are now GA uh, policy. So from a governance point of view, we are confident uh, the player pathway will be brought to life. All units of the association, the club primarily, uh, post-primary, third-level institutions and the elite end of our game uh, will all be linked uh, together. And interestingly enough, uh, the player pathway, uh, we had a meeting last week where over 200 staff in the GA were online where we explained the pathway and it's been publicly uh, launched uh, next Tuesday uh, and then will be rolled out uh, to all units of the association. Well, obviously, unfortunately, 2020 being the year it was, uh, didn't give it any chance. Hopefully, with things getting better in the next few months, please God, there will be a real opportunity to get cracking now on rolling out the programme. I mean, I know it's already started. I know there's great plans here in Kilkenny and because uh, Kieran Maldowney explained it to us here on a programme recently. But uh, really, the people involved are champing at the bit to get stuck into this now, aren't they? Yeah, but I think there's great clarity. I, I, th- I think the player pathway for the first time uh, ever uh, brings great clarity. It, it explains in detail uh, what should happen at the, diff- at the different phases of a, of a player's journey. But we do know now, kind of from research and from sports science, uh, that players develop at different rates. Uh, so players will have to be placed at the centre of the pathway along with the club and ultimately good coaching is around the individual needs of the player uh, heretofore uh, most players were treated uh, the same uh, and players were not uh, treated or coached based on their own individual needs so that's the key to good coaching so well, what's going to happen Nicky over the next year obviously COVID is a hindrance uh, at the moment Is but the GAA is going to develop coach developers uh, who will get out and support clubs in terms of improving the coaching because having knowledge is wanting but it's how we coach is what makes the difference Very much so. to, to, to supporting players to achieve their potential. Okay Mike, well look at I say well done to you, I, I know uh, we've been, been involved on the, uh, with you in, on that report, not directly on the committee but I know the work you put in and the way you led the team and yes you had a great team with you so look the incoming Games Development Committee under John Tobin have plenty now to get their teeth into to ensure compliance around the whole country and indeed within each county especially so I'm sure you're looking forward to it so well done and thanks for talking to us this evening Michael and we'll catch space with you again. Uh, and thank for your support during the whole process. Not at all. Uh, process, Nicky, and you. hopefully what we've all done will make a difference to the and the development of our players. Thank you, Michael. Thanks Take care. Bye, now. Bye, bye. Well, that's it for this evening. Thanks to all who joined me on the programme this evening, especially John uh, Fogarty and uh, Michael Dempsey. Uh, Joe Burden coming up next. We'll be back with the TC Terrors World of Gaelic Games tomorrow night and with Talksport again next Sunday night. Until then, Slán August Bannacht.